0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the on the Dave Campbell's podcast network. I'm your host Matthew Bruni, and join me once again is Ishmael Johnson, Ish, how are you today?
1: I am great. Well, I guess not not after last night's uh, women's basketball games, not great. Oh, but yeah. I am I am okay. Uh we have we had like a kind of a a half and half of success when it comes to basketball
0: or are recovering from the women's side. Uh, yeah, man, well,
1: we'll get to that on another episode with Justin. But oh man, that, yeah, that was, yeah. that was
0: rough. <laughs> shameless plug. Go check out the women's basketball podcast. We do, uh, we have out at a similar time around this. So check that one out as well. We have a lot to talk about. We probably have more to talk about on the women's side than the men's side. Probably. Um, it's just going to be a but, lot of like hype and like excitement for the men's side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get the highs on this side because uh, yeah. finally we have men's basketball, you know delivering you know it's usually the women's (laughs) basketball delivering uh but the men's basketball kind of delivered here so um yeah we got houston baylor obviously talk about just those are the two teams we're gonna focus on we've covered everybody else if you have if you want to go listen to us rain about Texas, you can go back and listen to those podcasts, all of those. Speaking uh, Texas, of Texas, this is the
1: first time we're recording since uh, they had some news drop. I, fr- I just realized that. Go ahead. I'm- uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know what, I guess we can touch on that a little bit. Um, I don't want to, you know, go yeah. too much. I feel like what's, it's the news is already, you know, old, but you know, obviously Shaka Smart getting the Marquette job, yeah. kind of a mutual breaking, right? Kind of like yeah. a, kind of like a Cristel Conti slightly showing him the door, so they don't have to fire anybody after he brings a conference title home. Yeah. Yeah. Shaka was um, kind of
0: running to it. It felt Shaka like Shaka was, was also definitely. Yeah,
1: Shaka was definitely running to it. Um, I don't know if you saw his press conference. There's some
0: quotes coming out I of his press not.
1: conference about like it was kind of throwing shade at like the. I saw one
0: quote. I saw one. The only quote, quote I saw was I was used to VCU where we get filling up the stadium every single. And I'm not yeah. taking that for granted anymore.
1: Right. Oh. That, that is, <laughs> that's something. Um, that is something, you know, it could have been, it could have just been, he, you know, he was just loving VCU and all that. And he probably didn't mean anything negative toward Texas, but man, that's some, um, I mean, that's obviously the thing when you talk about Texas, right? It's like, yeah. that's the the kind of the black cloud is that the Frank Irwin center is not a great venue. Yeah. Um, it's why they're trying to build their own venue yeah. um, and closer to on campus and, and just to have a, more exclusive um uh, atmosphere for their fans but yeah that was that was something that i (laughs) i saw that quote circulating i was like man he couldn't wait to say something huh
0: yep he has been waiting to say that but
1: yeah so um but yeah you know the names are coming out uh chris beard is one obviously that's yeah i think i don't want to say that there's something there because i don't know right i don't want to speculate but i feel like that the fact that that news hasn't if the news doesn't die out as far as chris beard's concerned in the next week i'd say he's contemplating something because texas to me is a obviously is a top job right along yeah. before indiana filled it was probably the highest profile job available right now um and i think that the only problem with Ted, the texas job is the texas identity and i mentioned this yes. on twitter a little bit i have an article up on texas basketball where I talked about uh, I named four candidates, and I basically say when when trying to combat the Chris Beard speculation, I basically say that he's getting paid five million roughly at, at Tech um, a year. No, no, six million a year at Tech. Tech is okay paying a basketball coach higher than Matt Wells. Yeah. Right. They're okay being a, a basketball school that's competitive in football, right? They obviously want to be competitive, but they're okay being a basketball powerhouse and treating Chris Beard like a god. Texas isn't like that. Like, mm. Texas isn't, I don't know if they want to pay Chris Beard because obviously they have to match six mil. Yeah. So they have to match that, probably exceed that. So six and a half to seven mil. That'd be a that that'd be a half, of, that'd be a mil and a half, potentially two mil more than they pay Steve Sarkeesian. I don't know if that's something that Texas is going to want to do. Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's the biggest hurdle for me when it comes to Chris Beard is just I don't know if they're willing to shell out. You know, they obviously want to be Kentucky and all that, but do they want to shell out John Calipari money, right? Just to you know somebody of that stature. Yeah. And so that brings you down to, um, the Grant McCaslin's, and I'll calm down North Texas fans. I don't think they're going to get it. Go after Grant McCaslin. That's I think cool. they have. I think they probably have. I think their prob their biggest fear is probably Oklahoma right now, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. um, because he that's probably more of a, yep. a a shift that they're willing to make. I mean, yeah. um, Texas
0: interviewed Royal Ivy. I think they have a, I think they have a few names that maybe we haven't. Uh, yeah, Roy, Royal Ivy's a
1: yeah, Royal Ivy's a really good one. I like Royal Ivy a lot. I think that he'd be somebody that could by himself sometime because he had that sentimental connection with the fans yeah. to where, you know, first-year head coach, he obviously inherited a program that's kind of – I not want to say in the gutter, but, you know, there's no really momentum behind it after this uh, yeah. recruiting class has left, um, this Greg Brown, Kai Jones kind of uh, prospect list going to the NBA. Um, and so, yeah, so he'd have some – he'd have some leeway, and I think it, it creates some buzz. Like, you know, Royal Ivy coming back yeah, to the program would be sure. a big deal. And so I think I really think that'd be a, a really beneficial hire to, for, for Christel Conti. Yeah. Um, a couple other names, obviously I, I mentioned Porter Mosier. Um, I go into him why he's actually not a crazy hire uh, in the article. And yeah, there, it's an interesting time to have this job. Like I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if beard says, no, they try to flex their muscles and go get Brad Underwood, right. From Illinois.
0: Like Bruce Pearl um, or something.
1: Something right. Some because Christo Conti, it's interesting because when it came to football, he obviously didn't go for a splash hire. He just had a guy in Steve Sarkeesian that he really liked. Yeah. But on women's basketball, he went for a splash hire. He's like, screw it. I'm going to go steal Vic Schaefer, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious where his mind's thinking right now, where it's like, is this a program that needs to be built? If it is, then OK, then maybe somebody like a Royal Ivy can construct it in his image with the expectation that it's going to take about a year or two. Um, or is this something where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go steal Brad Underwood and we're going to go, you know, uh, try to compete for another big 12 title next year. or like, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's, it's now that's my long spiel on that. Uh, it's, I think it was healthy of a break. Um, it was clear that neither party was really happy <laughs> with of Smart or, or Texas. So
0: it was a healthy breakup.
1: It was a healthy breakup, there man. You, you can't, you can you can't hope for some, uh, hope for anything better than that. And Marquette's a good job. Like Marquette's a yeah, really good job. So, you know, good for shock, for landing it on is. his feet.
0: It is. All right. Well, I can already hear Houston and Baylor fans yelling at us for making this. I know,
1: right? Texas oh, how'd you make it about Texas, Texas. already?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it is. It is an interesting predicament Texas is in. So we'll definitely be watching that over the off season. Uh, but let's get to the NCAA tournament here. Houston, Baylor. We'll start with Houston. Houston uh, beats Syracuse in the Sweet 16, 62 to 46. If we want to touch on this real quick, I, I was amazed by their zone offense. It was fluid. It was rhythmic. They were they didn't shoot. I mean, they didn't shoot great, but they shot well enough. Uh it was distributed scoring. Uh offensive rebounds were I mean, they didn't I think they only had eleven in that game. Uh yeah. and then they just shut down Beheim and the three point shooting of Syracuse. And that was pretty much it. I was very very impressed by the 62 to 46 win
1: from yeah it started off a little shaky I was a little worried at first Mm because uh it was it started to look like a lot of that Syracuse crap that I talked about where it's just like Houston forgetting how to shoot and it was like oh god this is gonna be some sloppy team shooting in the 25 percent range uh for the whole game but no Houston just kicked it into gear and it was clear the better team was um and you mentioned it defensively; they were just just stellar. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Buddy Bayheim had no room to do anything. It was yep. it was the game I hoped to see when when these two got linked. Yep. Together, so that Sircus, was a
0: lot of fun. Yep. Syracuse ended up shooting twenty eight percent from the field. Uh, this is the Houston defense we expected and mm-hmm. uh, needed to see. Uh, then they went and beat Oregon State sixty seven to sixty one in a game that they controlled pretty much the whole way. But I was waiting for them to put them put Oregon State away. Yeah. Um, just just you know put it away at by 15 with eight minutes left or something like that and they Oregon right. State continued to hang around continued to hit some shots uh but eventually uh Houston did prevail and Sasser and Grimes both had pretty really good games. They had 19 mm-hmm. offense rebounds and you know the defense did its job.
1: Yeah. This one, I mean this one looked like it was gonna run away early. I think they were up up 20 I think with just before or not 20. It almost got to 20 um before 34 they 17 at halftime. Yeah 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 and so it was like okay it was like pretty well in control. And then like in the midway through the second half, you're just like, all right, what's kind of happening here. Right. They cut the lead to single digits. I think it got to two at one point. Um, Luckily Houston was good enough to keep it at that point, but it tied up at one point, I'm pretty sure at 55. Um, And then Grimes hit some huge shots and it just kind of put things to bed. But this was, this was Houston basketball, right? We mentioned the defense. They basically doubled them up on the offensive boards, more than doubled them, uh, Oregon stayed up on the offensive boards. And a lot of people were starting to realize like, oh, Houston's not a good, like a good shooting team, but they just get so many boards and they just put up so many shots that they're able to crash the boards with such relentlessness. And so you mentioned Sasser and Grimes. I mean, they combined for 23 attempts from three. Like that's insane. And so, and and again, they didn't shoot well. They shot nine, uh, roughly nine to 23, right? It's fine. It's decently, but not great. Um, But it's not spectacular either. And so, but they were all, again, they were also crashing the boards because they know, okay, if I jack up this shot, you know, these guys are going to come down with it, right? Justin Gorman is going to come down with it. Fabian White's going to come down with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. They had 19 offensive boards to Oregon State seven. And I don't know. I was watching, there was some clips on YouTube of Houston's practices. I don't know if you've seen their practices. They have a scramble drill that is that. ferocious. Like that is that. nasty. And it's it makes so much sense that these guys play that way because 50-50 balls is just literally what Kelvin Sampson just drills into these guys. He's like every 50-50 ball, every scramble opportunity, that's us.
0: Yeah. It's so it's so weird because I mean I've seen a lot of coaches do those type of scramble drills where they sure. throw it up there and let them know fouls, just just elbow. It doesn't matter, do it. But the way that they've done it, and I've just every time I watch them, I'm just like, this is pro- probably the best offense rebound team I've ever seen. Like this is just incredible the way they do it. And so it's like, what makes them special? And it's like, it's not the athletes. Fabian White's a big dude, obviously. Cheney's a, pr- a pretty big dude, but like Gorham's six eight, six seven. Yeah. Like he's just a monster. And so it's a lot of it's just mindset. A lot of it's personnel. Um, I even joked at a certain point in the Oregon State game when they hit a lull on offense, I was like. Honestly, just shoot a three and just go get the rebound like that's And they did a couple of times. I don't know how many uh, second chance points they got. But in the second half, uh, I think it was Grimes or Sasser shot a three, missed it. They got an offensive rebound, missed a putback, got the offensive rebound, kicked out for three and hit a three. That was one possession I remember in my head. And I'm just like, yeah, just throw it up there, man. Just (laughs) At the end of the day, the offensive rebounding is serious. And it can Mm -hmm. be their best offense in some cases, especially when offensive rebounds turn into threes good look threes on an offense Houston which we talked about is not a fluid offense that's going to generate these wide open looks all the time Mm -hmm. hard enough to do that the college level so the offensive rebounds really just give them another level of scoring that teams struggle to uh, combat along with the fact that the first one could go in so sure um, it's just playing those percentages getting up 15 more shots than Oregon State I do want to highlight Dejan Giroux because Mm -hmm. man he has just become my favorite player on this team by far like he's I already really loved him but in this tournament it's just his value has just been on display every single game and he ended up the Oregon State game with 10-8-8 with two blocks um, and a (laughs) steal and it's just like I I love the way he plays. It's such that's an a point guard, by the a, way. <laughs> yeah, it's such an advantage having a six four, six five point guard that is long, can fend, and just does everything for this team. So big shout out to yeah. Dejan Drew. I loved I loved how he played and the the way Houston was able to win these two games.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean. It's- especially when, you know, needing their guard play to step up right after Caleb Mills leaves this year, yeah. um, their guard play really needed to, to come through. And he's been the guy that's just kind of taken everything and and him and Sasser, of course, have just kind of taken that backcourt and really kept things going. Um, Been those guys to back up Quentin Grimes in, in big ways and big moments. Um, I was talking to my friend during this game and he's like, this is like how because we always like, when it comes to like high-profile um, programs, we always kind of gave Roy Williams a lot of slack for for not getting the big recruits like Duke does and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But North Carolina is always there in the mix, and even a couple years ago, obviously made the national title. And this is how they do it, right? He's he is another emphasis, uh, a big emphasizer on um, on offensive rebounding, yeah. and like it just shows that you don't need to have. And of course, Houston has guys like Quentin Grimes and Tremont Mark right? They're getting big time recruits. But when it comes to just like competing at the highest level, that is just, it's such a great equalizer. Like we mentioned, Houston's not a good shooting team. Like they're not even like, they're, they're kind of, I'm trying to look right now. They're 136. They're 136 the in effective field goal percentage, right? Oh, go. They're. 113th in three-point percentage, they're 190th in two-point percentage. They're not great, right? The, that's technically in the green, like they're in the upper half of the of all the teams in the country. Yeah. But like all their good, all their elite metrics are on defense, and they have one elite or two elite metrics in um offense, not turning the ball over and offensive rebounds. They're second in the nation behind North Carolina and Roy Williams yeah. in offensive rebounds. And yeah, that it just shows, like you mentioned, like if they're in a slump, it doesn't matter. Just shoot a shot, and they'll just crash the board, get a bunny put back, or something. Or if you're, you know, uh, the buzzer beater that they had. Uh, uh, I forgot. Um, I already forgot the team that they beat on the buzzer beater. Uh, Rutgers. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, Rutgers. Um, it was it was a random shot that Tremont Mark just went up and got a put back, right, yeah. and and won. And so those type of buckets is just what this team and like the best part about that is like Houston can rally around that right not even just the school but like the the city right they can rally around a bunch of dudes who are just giving their all for this you know 48 minutes right they can you know just you're never going to see them not die for loose balls you're never going to see them not get uh put their put everything on the line and uh, like Houston's such a swaggered city like that that they can yeah. really rattle, rally behind that that you know Faislam Jamma had the flash and all that stuff and this team kind of goes in the opposite direction it's like this is a blue collar team that's just all about you know uh energy and yep. in an energy in another way and yeah no, this is I'm excited for this game we'll talk yep. about it in a bit but yeah yep. uh, Houston so impressive
0: yep that's all I had on on Houston let's, let's get to Baylor yeah. uh Baylor uh, beats Villanova 62 to 51 uh the offense was shaky. They went three of 19 from three. They had nine assists. Um, I was worried for pockets of this game that they weren't mm-hmm. going to be able to put it away. Uh, but the defense really just carried them. The defense was tremendous. They held four 16 turnovers, five blocks, eight steals. And a lot of those really opened up what uh, Baylor wanted to do. And they were able to control the pace of the game at that point. And their guards just kind of took over. So um, I like I said, I was worried for moments of this game, and rightfully mm-hmm. so because Villanova uh, led for a lot of this game. I don't have the exact time led up, but Villanova's mm-hmm. biggest lead was seven, which was at halftime, and it was concerning that Baylor wasn't able to shoot the ball well and they weren't able to really create good looks. That was yeah. so it, it looked like the Baylor that we were concerned about. In a, yeah. In I a way. Think-
1: yeah, I think that I think they I want to say they led like basically like midway through the first half through like, I want to say midway through the second half or like mm-hmm. maybe like 12 ish minutes in the second half um, when they finally tied it up. Yeah, it, it looked worrisome mainly because like you mentioned Baylor wasn't hitting and Baylor's a team that, you know, for all their defensive defensive prowess the past couple years has been a team that this year has just been able to shoot the lights out and um, and they were not hitting at all and luckily for them and i don't know how painful it was for you to watch villanova also wasn't hitting yeah, <laughs> and, it's, so, it's, yeah. and so they go from hitting everything <laughs> in their previous games <laughs> to not just i think they shot three of 17 from yeah, three
0: yeah north, north texas uh, shooting guard tweeted uh oh, now they want to miss <laughs> <laughs>
1: right yeah, right exactly and so like Literally when they have like a monumental upset on their, in their hands, right. They just need to hit like, not even, not even threes at a 40% clip, like a 30% clip. And they probably, you know, go up 10, 15, potentially on Baylor. Um, They just can't hit anything. And so it's like, okay, well, luckily neither team's hitting anything. And eventually that's going to go in Baylor's favor because their defense is going to get around their guards are better at getting to the rim than Villanova's are and that's kind of eventually what happened the threes really never started to fall for Baylor um yeah. I think maybe Flagler hit a couple um mm-hmm. but that was it uh, uh Meyer did not really do well Butler didn't do well from three and yeah it was kind of the Davion Mitchell and Adam Flagler show and then yeah. uh um actually yeah Flagler I was gonna mention Chacho too but it was mainly Flagler
0: yeah um, off the, the bench so. the uh the Villanova guards struggled at a certain point you can't you couldn't play Archer Diacono for them i mean Moore mm-hmm. and Daniels were were more more had probably the best game of anyone on the team besides Samuels but Daniels went one of 11 they really didn't have they don't have that depth anymore at guard uh, mm-hmm. it's it's tough for them to create consistently against a good Baylor defense and i It's weird because we're going to get to the second game, but the second game I was flipped, right? Baylor's offense was great against Arkansas and then, or I shouldn't say great, but it was good, very good against Arkansas. Um, But the defense didn't seem like they could stop them. And so now we're in this like weird situation where it's like Baylor can't go three to 19 and beat Houston. Probably Mm -hmm. not. Baylor can't definitely can't go three 19 and beat Gonzaga. So it's like, this has to be the end yeah. Of the Bash Unites because they played again, they shot better against Arkansas. But this Villanova game was concerned because Villanova is kind of like North Texas Hall, kind of like a machine in a way. They just continue to go to go to go. Robinson Earl is a very mm-hmm. good player. They have really good players. But Baylor, I expected to win this game pretty comfortably. And if they would have, they they and I still think that they should have, just because of the way the talent is is I think they have way more talent than Villanova without Gillespie. Sure. sure. So now I'm in this weird position where it's like, how do I expect them to play against Houston? How do I expect them to play against Gonzaga? And those are all future things. We'll get to the Houston game in a minute. But this game just didn't really didn't sit well with me for for a few reasons.
1: That's fair. Um we can move on to Arkansas. I think the the only thing, you know, people some people may say, "Oh, they won by, you know, double digits or whatever against Villanova." That didn't happen until like the last 4 minutes, right? Like they real that's when they went on that run and I was like, "Okay, you know, the scoreboard looks better than it actually was, but yeah. it wasn't that. It wasn't an 11-point game, right? It was I'd say like a 6 to 7-point win and would have been probably more justified. Yeah. Um Yeah. So, but yeah, moving on to Ar- moving on to Arkansas. I mean, you know, th- it was a little similar to like you know what you were saying, where it's like a little bit of a reversal, where you know their defense, and that's that was kind of to be expected, right? Arkansas is a really good offensive team. Yeah, um, Musselman's done a really good job. I thought, I, I mean, it looked like Baylor was going to blow this out, right? Like from the jump, it looked like I want to say they went up twenty-one um, yeah, nine. It was yeah, it was
0: I think it was seventeen four, mm-hmm. and then it was like twenty-one nine, and it continued yeah. that, and then Arkansas just made a push.
1: Sure, sure, and so. Yeah, it was it was really weird because it was kind of a game of of runs. It felt like like mm-hmm. Baylor came out strong, Arkansas came back out and really got back into the game, and then Baylor just kind of proved that it had like you know the offense really kicked in the gear, and there was a couple transition shots where it was like, oh right, Mayer, oh right, Teague, oh right, Mitchell, right. It was like it was one of those where it's like yeah. you realize Baylor has like probably, I mean, outside of Gonzaga, probably you know the best four, um, offensive weapons in the country right now. Yeah. Um, and so it was one of those like flex your muscles on that side of the ball type of games just during moments of that game. Yeah. I'm um, trying to look at the point distribution. Yeah. I mean, Teague got 22, yeah. <laughs> um, Jared Mitchell had 14, uh, uh, Jared Butler had 14 Davion Mitchell had 12, um, yeah, and so yeah, it was just like one of those moments. And my mayor only had seven, but there were some moments where it's like, okay, he hit a three. Then there were some moments where he put the ball on the floor, and it was like, oh right, this guy can get to the bucket. And he ended up having like three steals, and it was just like, okay, that's the backcourt that we kind of expected to see. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Baylor ends up shooting forty-eight point four percent from the field, fifty-three percent from three, 77 percent from the free throw line, and. I think you you put it well in that Baylor, so it was like Baylor went up, then Arkansas came back, and then Baylor continued to hold like a 10-point lead the entire game, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arkansas cut it to like six and then four a couple times, um, but Baylor continued to be able to score with Davion Mitchell. I mean, Davion Mitchell was really the star in the second half, even though Macy gained it with the most points. Davion Mitchell, yeah. those isolations they had – uh, they didn't even need to get switches in a lot of those. They just literally said, "All right, go buy Justin Smith, go buy Moses <laughs> Moody, go buy J-, J Jalen Tate, like just go." And they just ran a f- fourth flat. I mean, they 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 did a little isolation uh, actions to get him some space, and mm-hmm. he was able to deliver big buckets. And I mean, the twelve points he had were because in the first half he only played like what like ten minutes, something like that. After he got three bad, yeah. it was very low, and so. To be able to see Davion Mitchell be able to do that on a consistent basis, the entire country was kind of raving over him at that point. They were just like, all right, this guy's a lottery pick, like all that stuff, and he is. Um, But he didn't have to shoot a three. He went six of 11 from the field without shooting a three, which is just incredible. Um, So I want to give major props to Davion Mitchell for the way he was able to just get to the rim when they needed him. Because, like I said, there were times where Arkansas didn't look like they were going to miss. Mm -hmm. And. Then Davion Mitchell settled them down. Jared Butler was fine. I'm still waiting on Jared Butler to kind of just, I don't want to say take over a game because they don't need him to take over a game, but it's just put a little bit more of an imprint on the game. He shot four of 11 from the field, which was fine. Two of three from three, which is fine. Five assists, three turnovers, Mm -hmm. which is all fine. But um, Jared Butler is Jared Butler, and I hold him to a high, very high standard. So. um But Macy Oteague, like you said, eight, 8 of 18 from the field, 22 points. I loved him. Adam Flagler and Meyer off the bench were great as well. One thing I do want to highlight, Yeah. the reason why I was so concerned with this game was because in the first half, after Baylor got that lead, Arkansas didn't just start making shots. Which they Baylor started having some blown coverages, and that's mm-hmm. not like – Scott Drew's defense and sure. they were miscommunicating. They were giving up some layups, they're giving up some open looks from three. And I'm just like, this can't be happening here. This again, this can't be happening. This is the Elite Eight here. And you're gonna let an Arkansas team linger around here. That I and again, I think this Baylor team is good enough to put them away, and they didn't mm-hmm. put them away with their defense. And so that was another concern of mine. What do you think?
1: I think that's fair. Um, there were some moments that like you mentioned, where it was like, okay, there's definitely some like, you know, inconsistencies here with a lot of the defense that they were doing. Um, the one thing, I don't I don't know if it's just like that they feel so confident in their offense this year. Like last mm-hmm. year, this wouldn't have happened, right? Last year, this team, this game would have been put away defensively. Uh, but I just don't know if it was like, it was the fact that their offense is so good that, yeah. you know, every time Arkansas made a run, right, then there was the Jared Butler three, then there was the Macy Oteague three. And so it, they're good enough to weather the storm and then just hit that backbreaking shot on the other end. Um, so I don't know. And it, it, it's a, that's a good point. And I'm curious. I really am curious if that's really going to come back to bite them in this game. Because in this next game against Houston, because I mean, you know, we mentioned it, Houston's not a good shooting team either, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could obviously could hurt them on the offensive glass, but it might not be a case where, you know, these lapses in offense don't really come back to be that detrimental to them. Yeah. Um, it will absolutely against a Gonzaga. Like this, if this happens in the national title, they're getting beat by 20 by Gonzaga. Gonzaga's not you Know and that's off, of course, assuming they be UCLA, but you know, we'll see. Um, probably. But um, but yeah, like Gonzaga's a team like Gonzaga's not gonna let that slide. And so I'm wondering if if it's just them getting away with it for just so long, right? You have you mentioned we mentioned Villanova, right? Villanova's a good offense that could be able to take advantage of that. They didn't shoot well. Um, Arkansas was good enough to take advantage of it, but their defense wasn't good enough to get stops, and so. I'm wondering if it's just them maybe playing with fire a little bit on that side mm-hmm. because they haven't against Wisconsin. They did against Wisconsin. They really kind of show that they could be that defensive yes. force. Um, so, you know, they do have it still in them, but yeah, I do want to hint on a uh, hit on two players. Obviously uh, I'll get to Mitchell in a bit, but Butler. Yeah. That's a good point that you mentioned about Butler because this is a guy who came in. I'm going to read off his final one, two, three, four, seven games heading into the tournament. So Kansas 17, 29 points. Or no, sorry. No, uh, 25 points, 22 points, 18 points, 18 points, 16 points since the tournament, 13, 16, 9, 14. Right. So he's not like you mentioned, he's not quite getting to that level that we're used to seeing and play at. And again, it's because Davion Mitchell's taking up a lot of that. Um, he's kind of blossoming. Like I, I put on Twitter, like, I think he's turned into a lottery pick in this in this tournament. He's been yeah. insane on both ends he's i'm wondering how much scott drew regrets maybe not having him handle the ball a little bit more um Mm -hmm. in the regular season because like you mentioned he's just his first step has gotten so much better um they're able to just isolate him and just absolutely have him terrorize uh a mismatched guard on him um but defensively he's been stellar too so i think yeah i think he's going to be an instant contributor for some team lingering around the playoffs uh, in the nba right now like uh like a a boston or something that's yeah. my fear is like boston's gonna snag him and he's gonna be like the new marcus smart but somebody who can shoot threes and yeah, so like yeah. that's that's my biggest worry is that he's just yeah. gonna go to them and take him to a new level but um but yeah so jared butler his numbers have been i'm trying to look right now he only scored I think he was
0: averaging like 12 and a half coming into this game in the in the three tournament games or something like that
1: probably something like that yeah like i'm trying to look he only had one his kansas game which he had five was the only single digits. It was the only game he scored below, not uh, like nine since yeah. January mid-January. Yeah, and so like he'd been putting up you know fifteen plus and eighteen plus for basically the whole leading into the tournament. And you know they're winning, so they don't need him to. But you know if, if it gets down to it, yeah, kind of want him to, to put the cape on, and we'll see. So
0: yeah, I mean, I feel like I might be. I, I don't i i'm holding baylor to this super high standard and you know they're winning games and it's like all right they're they're in the final four for god's mm-hmm. sakes like at some point um i think i'm well, just to look- be, go ahead
1: go ahead. Oh, i was gonna say to be fair i mean we thought you know heading into the year we thought baylor and gonzaga were the two best teams gonzaga's look like the best team exactly right so baylor's yeah. looked good i'm right. not saying they're not one of the best teams but If you ask me right now, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Ken Palm has basically the number number two team in the country as a toss-up between Baylor and Houston. Yeah. Right. Gonzaga is the clear number one in in camp bomb ratings. And they've looked like that. They have not been challenged at all. We thought USC was going to give them a challenge. That was not, that was like, I was watching Drew Tim look at Evan Mobley. Like he was a YMCA player. And it's like, that, that dude's going to be like the number two pick. And like (laughs) Drew Timmy's like, I don't care. Like, I'm just taking it to you. Jalen Suggs is going to be a top three pick too. So.
0: So that, I mean, that that's, again, that's what we're holding them to at this point, because it's not about, can you beat Villanova or can you beat Arkansas? It's can you it's beat like, Gonzaga? And can you can beat you Houston been, even?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, can you beat Houston? That was a lot of people saying like, oh man, you know, we we thought Baylor and Gonzaga were the best two teams in the country. I'm like, "Have you? has anybody really been impressed with Baylor more than Houston?
0: That's the question. Right?
1: Like I think it's been a toss up for me. And yeah. so uh, I think I'm looking at the Kempon projections right now we can get into the preview.
0: Yeah. Um, the last thing I will say about Baylor while you get those projections it. up yeah. Uh, the last thing I'm going to say about Baylor just on an individual basis before we get to the matchup is they really have a tendency of going on these runs, right? They have like <laughs> one mm-hmm. big run a game like Wisconsin. They went on that crazy run to close the half. I think it was that yeah. really everybody was like, oh my gosh, Baylor's back. They're doing it uh, against Villanova. They made the late run to put them away uh, against Arkansas. They had the early run and mm-hmm. then they held on for the rest of time. So like you said, they've shown it. They have the consistency on both ends to be a great, great team, like an all-time great college basketball team. They've shown the flashes, but they haven't been consistent enough, and that's what's kind of hurt them in the past two rounds and even against Wisconsin a little bit. So um, they're going to have to be consistent against Houston and uh, if they make the championship, if they, uh, whoever they play there. So let's get into yeah. this game against Houston. What, what's the projections looking like?
1: Man, Ken Palm has it a one-point game. 72-71. Yeah. Baylor's a slight favorite, but yes, 72-71 is his projected score. Um, Ooh. these teams are, I don't want to say mere images of each other, but because Baylor's obviously a much better shooting team. Yeah. But when you look at the strengths for Houston, they're not necessarily weaknesses for Baylor. Like offensive rebounding, Baylor's seventh when they're on in terms of offensive rebounding. Question, um, question,
0: question. Yeah. What is what is I don't know if you have this up. What is Baylor's yeah. on defensive rebounding?
1: Uh, defensive rebounding, they are ooh, they are not good. They they're low, 273rd. right? Seventy third. Yeah. See, that was so, that was the concern here. That's and Houston is concern. Houston is. I mean, they're not great. They're one hundred fifty first, but they're you know leagues better than Baylor is defensive rebounding. So. Yeah. Both team, I mean, and the makeup of the teams are similar too, right? They're both undersized somewhat, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we got Flo thamba and 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 Chot and Samuel Chach- Chachua um making up size for Baylor, but you know, as far as their core rotation, right? Obviously, it's vital. And yeah. you know, vital versus uh Gorham is gonna be, you know, it's undersized big matchup. And so that's gonna be fascinating to see because obviously Baylor's I don't want to say giving up defensive rebounding, but they're basically saying we know our strength isn't defensive rebounding. So yeah they're going to give probably – they might get – I mean, I don't want to say doubled up, but they might get doubled up on the offensive boards because I think – because Houston's not as bad of a defensive rebounding team and can combat against Baylor's offensive boards yeah uh, as opposed to Baylor competing against Houston's offensive boards.
0: I mean, you look at Baylor versus Arkansas, and Arkansas has some big – Arkansas rebounded them for what it's worth. I mean, Arkansas mm-hmm. – Uh, brought down they both brought down 11 offensive rebounds and Mm -hmm. arkansas grabbed five more defensive rebounds which defense rebounds can be a product of missed shots but still yeah sure um the off. i mean this could be a game where both teams get double digit offensive rebounds like this could be a game where baylor hits the offensive glass really hard and if they're not shooting well then they really might muck it up um the most interesting scenario is if baylor just shoots average right if they shoot Mm -hmm. like seven of 19 from three which is fine it's probably about 30 was at 35 something like that but right. that's not the percentage that's going to kill houston then we're talking like okay the door is really here for houston and so yeah. um and that's again that's assuming houston just gets these dec- uh solid shooting production production from their guards right so mm-hmm. if they're both if the shooting is the same because at this point in basketball's evolution a lot of it comes down to who shoots the ball better but in college basketball. It can a lot of other things matter. This isn't the NBA in that regard. So, yeah, can Houston generate more shots, which they've done the, the entire season? Is Houston going to be able to generate eight to 10 more shots than Baylor? That's yeah. that's going to be an interesting area here. And then I look at the one on one matchups. Can Quentin Grimes get his shot late in the clock? Uh, I think Sasser's less of a creator, but can he do that a little bit? Giroux, can he create off the dribble if Butler's on him? The individual matchups in this game are incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah they're they're, they're going to be so much fun to watch. And I think the the most intriguing ones for me are going to be Flagler and Mark off the bench for both teams because Flagler has been really excellent for Baylor, obviously all season long, but particularly in the tournament too, he's been really, really good. Mark has struggled a lot. Yes, and especially in the last game, there were some game, there were some moments where Kelvin Sampson was visibly upset with Tremont Mark. And for a good reason, he was making bad decisions. I think when Oregon State switched to the zone, um, he didn't really know how to penetrate that zone. Mm -hmm. Um, Even some moments against Syracuse, it wasn't exactly the most most polished thing. Um, I'm trying to bring up his uh, tournament numbers right now. Because again, he was a guy who really stepped up heading into the tournament uh, just over the season. He had 15 against Cleveland State, so eight, six, and zero. Right. So he didn't yeah. play great. He hasn't played great in the tournament, especially in the past uh, since the round of 32. So he's somebody who's probably going to have to be, uh, I don't, you know, obviously not one of the better players, but he's going to have to contribute a lot more than he has. Um, he because I think he's the potential mismatch. I think he could potentially, like, you know, I think he could go at Adam Flagler. Right. I, you know, obviously Davion Mitchell is going to be probably zoning in on Quentin Grimes. Um, Jared Butler is going to be taking on Sasser or Giroux, probably Giroux. Um, And yeah, that's going to leave somebody for, that's going to be needing to take on, you know, whenever Flagler's on the floor, um, yeah. go at Macy Oteague a little bit. Like, you know, and those aren't exactly bad defenders, but they're, the, you know, they're, they're, they're not Mitchell and, and Butler. Yeah. So I think Tremont and Mark's going to really need a big game because especially when baylor because they're going to go on runs right they're going to try to go on those runs houston's gonna have to weather those storms and i think they're good enough to they're good enough to limit those runs but i don't know if the issue for me is always going to be can they not only hit the big shots which they were able to do against the oregon states against uh, syracuse whenever they tried to make something happen but also you know whenever they're not hitting the shots right what happens then what 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 does Kelvin Sampson come up with then to be able to generate something, right? Is it the Oregon State strategy of screw it, just jack something up and get a board, right?
0: Yeah, it's. I'm just here trying to contemplate what I think could happen here because I, (laughs) where we've been, we've been talking about it. While Houston's defense has been consistently better, or at least more consistent than Baylor's in this tournament. Houston's also been, I think, the only team ever to only play double digit seeds to get here. And I'm not saying that as that's a point. I'm not uh, saying that's something. I'm, yeah, I'm, again, it's not to say that they haven't played anybody because they have Syracuse legitimately deserved to be there. Oregon State mm-hmm. legitimately deserved to be there. Um, but now you're going against Baylor. Yeah. And this is a Baylor team that, albeit, like we said, hasn't been as consistent. They beat Villanova, beat Arkansas to get here. Houston, I think, is better than both of those teams, but Houston's defense, defensive consistency is going to be, I think, what I'm looking for at this game. I think that's going to be the difference at this point, because I think, like we said, the rebounding kind of cancels out in a, in a sense. I think the, both teams have really good guards. So if both guards play well, then it's interesting. Um, I think they both, sh- I, like you said, Bay- Baylor's a better shooting team, but Houston is capable of somewhat matching them from three. I mean, they shot 11-32 uh, mm-hmm. from three against Oregon State. Um, I think it comes down to Houston's defense. Can Sasser, Grimes, and Giroux slow down the three guards of Baylor? And if they can do that, if they can force turnovers, which Baylor doesn't do, if mm-hmm. they can – just get them uncomfortable, work them late in the clock, make this a little bit of a under seventy game. I think Houston has a real shot here. I feel like I'm trying to talk myself into it, so mm-hmm. I'm. I think Baylor should be the favorite, and I think I'm going to pick Baylor. Mm-hmm. But there are avenues in which Houston can actually have a really good chance down the stretch.
1: Sure, sure. I think yeah. I, I think you they're, they're go- definitely.
0: Yeah, and you bring up the good point about the runs, too. I mean, Baylor's going to go on that run. Is Houston able to make those timely shots when it matters? And that's going to come down to – I think Quinn Grimes, while he's been good, he, he's going to have to have play probably his best game of the season at this point. And that's probably. Be
1: big. Yeah, it's – yeah, I think I'm with you on Baylor. I think I'm picking Baylor as well. Um, I think Baylor should be the slight favorite, um, mainly because the avenues for them to win the game – there it's multiple right yes. i could see them obviously you know obviously going on big runs hitting a lot of shots and kind of making this a little bit more open and i could also see them winning a sloppy game or i can see them scrapping with houston because that was their identity last year when they didn't have this shooting yeah. um and so i think they're okay in both kind of in in multiple scenarios i think houston has to win a sloppy game right houston has to win a tough game to where they're beating them on the offensive glass when they're kind of really making things difficult for them i want to say they're uh, Houston is, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're a decent three-point defending team, right? They're not, oh, actually, no, no, they're one of the best. Sorry, they're top 10. I'm looking at the wrong numbers. They're top 10 in three-point defense, right, roughly. Yeah. Um. So they are, you know, that is something that where they can limit Baylor. If they can really close out, and that's what Houston, did. they close out so hard. Frenetic. Yeah, so frenetic, so so energetic on that side, uh, particularly on the three-point line. Um. I am curious because... Yes, they are frenetic in terms of closeouts, but their defense is also really predicated on the inside. They really limit inside looks and to the point where they're going to give up some looks, right? And that's where where their energetic closeouts have to be on point because they basically say – you know hey we're going to double you in the post anytime you go on the post we're going to try we're going to double you we're going to you know uh, try to trap you and make you make an errant pass and that's how they force the turnovers um but that also means if they get a pass out to the outlet somebody might be open from 3 yeah. and i was watching an interview with Kel- kellen sampson um where he talked a little bit about that where he's like yeah if they if they make you know that wild pass that gets an open look like you know that's something they have to live with um and that's, you know, it's worked obviously so far because it's hard to pass out of a double, out of a double, yeah. in the post out of a trap. But I, I, I don't know, like, is Mark, I mean, I don't know how many times they're going to, you know, obviously go to Mark Vital in the post. Probably not at all. But yeah. um, when they get in those situations, because even, even when like Butler, or somebody goes in the post, they double anybody. Um, if they're able to get those passes out, that's a problem because even as good of a three point sh- uh, defending team as they are. You know, they're they're playing the best. They're playing literally the best team in the country when it comes to that. So yeah,
0: and a team that has multiple, multiple shooters. Like if they bring they're gonna in, play
1: a four out, a four out offense when yeah. uh Meyer, Meyer comes in. Yeah, and, Meyer and know.
0: Flagler off the bench. You go down yeah. the list of shooters that this team has and the versatility they have at the five with that they can do with lineups um is another very, very challenging thing to defend with Thamba, uh, uh Meyer and Chamo. So yeah. There are like you said I think there are more avenues for Baylor to win here. I don't think that's shocking anybody. I think Baylor Baylor's a 5 point favorite in Vegas. Um that line I don't I don't know what I would take on that. Personally that's a that's a very interesting line, but mm-hmm. it's going it, to in in some ways Baylor has been susceptible to not playing its best and if like I said if Baylor goes 3-19 from 3 they're not going to win this game. So, because yeah, that's 100%. that means that it's going to be an uglier game. That means Houston's defense is going to be bothering them, and that means presumably Human could Houston could force more turnovers. That's another stat to watch: is who turns the ball over more. And sure. if it is Baylor, then Houston has a great, great, great chance at pulling off the upset here. And it would be an upset. Let's sure. not yeah, as great as Houston is. Baylor this entire season has been 1A, 1B with Gonzaga. Like at this point, we all know Gonzaga is better, but the whole season Mm -hmm. has been Baylor right there. Baylor number two. Houston's had to work. Houston Mm -hmm. has had to tear through their AAC schedule. They've been hit with, you know, COVID pauses. It's been a tough season for them, but they have been consistently very good and it's paying off for them now. And I just can't wait for this matchup. It's
1: yeah. I'm yeah. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, I mean, Southwest conference, you got history there. Yeah. I think it was obviously 35 years since the last Houston one, I want to say 70 since the last Baylor final Four. Like it's a lot of history going on. Obviously you got the battle for Texas, right. You got all of that stuff going on. Um, it's so many storylines going into this. that just make it so much fun. Uh, when UCLA won, it became West coast versus Texas, right? No matter what yep. uh, championship matchup we get, which is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned a little bit of Chama Chachua. I think, I'm curious if they decide to go to him a little more than Mark Vidal. I don't want to say more than Mark Vidal, but if they want to add a little bit more size to crash the yeah. boards a little bit better. Um, and Vidal's a good you know, rebounder. I want to say they're probably, they might even be even in terms of numbers, but just to make it a little bit more difficult for Houston to give them a bigger body to deal with. If they go with that, like Mitchell, Butler, Teague, uh, Mayor Ch- Chama Chachua lineup, right? Where it's just like, Okay, let's put a six nine mayor to space the floor. Let's put Chamo Chachua six eight yeah. and just have bigger bodies out there to kind of uh, make it a little bit more difficult. So uh,
0: yeah, the yeah. matchups are going to be interesting. Vital versus Gorum starting yeah. off the game is going to be a freaking bloodbath. Uh, if they don't call fouls, they, those two are just going to be banging each other every single time down the court. Um, man, I I can't wait for it. I've like we said like i said i'm taking Baylor i don't know if i'm taking Baylor minus 5 but that is uh that's going to be a hell of a game just what a game saturday at 4:14 4:14 mm. i looked it up it's 4:14 p.m. central yeah, time, time. <laughs> so uh have have your dvr set and uh let's let's so, get are it you, are you, yeah
1: definitely this is going to be a lot of fun uh let's are you taking uh let's just put it this way uh you taking ucla <laughs>
0: uh the, the line is gonzaga minus uh minus 14 and a half and that's and what i'm debating right now that's <laughs> what i'm debating i think i'm gonna take i don't know i don't know if i'll take Gonzaga to cover that but that I, I'm, uh, I'm taking gonzaga to, to get to the championship
1: and a final four it's crazy 14 oh thing is God. if they would
0: have played michigan after watching michigan ucla last night i don't think it would have been much different it might have been like 10 and a half right like like we're gonna blow anybody out here at this
1: honestly like that that usc game might have me taking gonzaga to cover that because i thought usc would give them something i thought they were a perfect
0: matchup for them
1: they had size they had length they had shooting nothing it didn't matter like that's my ultimate fear um is that this is just an unbeatable gonzaga team yeah, it's just like this is just a year where it's like, oh, they were just so much better than everybody in the country. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding out hope. Off this.
0: Yeah, I'm holding a hope that Baylor has one more great shooting night in them, and that, that they're that, gonna need it, man. And that's what could that's what could happen because, like I said, to be Houston, they have a lot of avenues here. They could muck oh, yeah. it up a little bit against Gonzaga. There's only one avenue, and Gonzaga has is the one with the multiple avenues there. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that Baylor has one more shoot great shooting night in them, but. That would be a great matchup, and I think Houston Gonzaga would be a really fun matchup. That'd like I would be so said, interesting. It would be really, really unique. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously Gonzaga Gonzaga, so we'll sure. we'll preview whoever they play um, later. I mean, well, actually, no, but it's on Monday. I forget that it's Saturday, Monday. As oh games. yeah. So I uh, I don't know. Maybe it depends on how good the Baylor Houston game is. You know. Maybe yeah. Play, maybe, we might we do we
1: might do an instant reaction to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do that, but we'll yeah. see. Um, anything else, Ish?
1: Uh, nah, man. I think we're good.
0: All right. Well, be sure to check out the women's basketball podcast we're doing as well. Uh, follow, check out all the stuff on texasbasketball.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave at D. Yeah, no, wait, Dave. Wait, what is DCT basketball? DCT basketball. (laughs) There There you go. DCT basketball. Uh, me at Matthew Green underscore ish at Ishmael R. Johnson. And yeah, leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcast and subscribe. Tell your friends. And it is closing time here for the men's basketball in texas i'm just glad we're going to have someone in the championship them that's, yeah. that's all i'm happy about right but but we will see uh thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later